DKS33 is powered by Cliff Central, uncensored, unhinged, and unradio. Hello and welcome to the Digital Kung Fu Show, a podcast and videocast for startup founders and entrepreneurs. Even if you're alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs across the world hustling today's markets. At Digital Kung Fu, we have one goal, to help entrepreneurs succeed in their ventures through information sharing, digitally connecting them with other entrepreneurs, and by dissecting and deconstructing the world's leading business minds right here on this show. Remember, you can view the full show notes on our website at digitalkungfu.co. .za or tweet this show using our handle at Digital Kung Fu ZA or follow us on Facebook.com slash Digital Kung Fu ZA. When I look at the world of entrepreneurship today, there is quite clearly a ton of information out there about how to get from A to B in business. But comparatively, there is very little information out there about the impact that going from A to B can have on your personal life. It's easy to be romanticized about the idea of being a successful entrepreneur because the media is full of stories like X startup gets funded for Y millions of dollars. And to be honest, my sense is that it's warping perceptions of what being a successful entrepreneur is really all about. You see, for me, success is not just about going out there, raising capital, building an amazing product, and then aspiring to become number one in your market. And to be honest, it's also not enough to build the next Airbnb or Uber, because for me, that only tells the story of one side of the coin. So what is the other side of the coin? Well, for me, that refers almost entirely to the inner game of success and the challenge of managing a successful business, but also managing it in such a way that you not only retain, but improve the relationships you have with your friends, family, and partners. There is a very good reason why entrepreneurs refer to their businesses as their other marriage or their mistress, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why. And more often than not, the cost of being a successful entrepreneur is simply not spoken about in mainstream media because it would detract from what is otherwise a very glamorous journey to be on, right? So how do you master the inner game of success and achieve success in both a business and personal capacity. So to get the answer, I reached out to my good friend, Bruce Music. He's built a seven-figure business by helping entrepreneurs and executives overcome the challenges and pressures of running a business. What I love about Bruce is that he is able to give you practical advice that you can use straight away. And what I especially love is his authenticity and firsthand experience. And I've found that to be immensely valuable throughout our 10-year friendship. So without further ado, Enter Bruce Music. Hey guys, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 33rd edition of the Digital Kung Fu Show. This is your host, Matt Brown, and today we have my buddy Bruce Music back on the show. How are you doing, Bruce? Hey, Matt. I'm awesome. Thanks for having me back. Today, I thought... Um, we should take a little detour off the um, usual kind of hardcore aspects of business that we kind of focus on um, and focus today on what is hardly ever really spoken about in the entrepreneurship space. So like if you want to go from A to B, there's tons of information about that. But if you want to talk about the impact that going from A to B has on your life, on your personal life, then there's very little information out there. So that's why I reached out to Bruce. Um, So mate, thank you. It's an honor and privilege to have you back in the hot seat. 
No, it's great to be here. And I'm excited to talk to entrepreneurs about love and relationships and, and the relationship between business and love, because there definitely is one. And I got some great stories to tell. Awesome. So let me set up this particular episode. So last week I had lunch with um, Rich Mulholland and he is the president of the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. They're a global organization as well, uh, just by the way. But um, I was talking to him about an idea that I had um, and he shared a piece of information with me that kind of just really resonated. And he said that the majority of their entrepreneurs um, don't actually talk about business challenges in their program or in the entrepreneurs uh, organization program, but rather what they discuss is the impact that being a successful entrepreneur has on their personal lives. So let me give you an example. Uh, shitty marriages, okay? The inability to connect with their kids um, and that sort of thing. So um, as entrepreneurs, we all know how much time and effort running and even just starting a business takes from us. But, you know, what can we do about it and how do we reap the benefits of having both a successful business, but also a happy personal life? So Bruce, over to you. Um, you, as I know, but if you could just share a little bit more about what you do, because you consult with um, entrepreneurs, many other types of people, uh, I suppose you can call it the relationship consulting space, right? So where, where do we start with this? <laughs> Some people call me the couple's whisperer, Matt. I think <laughs> recently, although I never whisper when I work with people, but um, I help couples repair their troubled relationships. I help them save their marriages, stop getting divorced. People come to me when it's usually uh, the kind of the end of the line, like as a last resort. I wish people would come to me preemptively, but they tend not to. And there seems to be this kind of belief in our culture that you shouldn't need to work on your relationship. And if you do, there's something wrong with it. And, or you shouldn't need to learn about relationships. And if you do, there's something wrong with you or you're in the wrong relationship that, you know, relationships just happen uh, if they're meant to be. And I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. That's the equivalent of saying, you know, you shouldn't need to study about entrepreneurship. You know, you should just start your own business and it should just work straight out the gate first time around. And if it doesn't, you're probably not meant to be an entrepreneur. Um, so. It, it, it's that that kind of thinking that I deal with a lot, and I help couples get on the same page uh, with each other and start connecting where they felt di- disconnected, so that they can start being happy together. Mm, yeah, I suppose um, it's easy to um, you know get romanticized about the idea of starting a business. I mean, I've started eight in my time; six haven't mm-hmm. worked out. Two I sold, not for like you know, billions of um, dollars or rands or anything like that. But, you know, it's this idea that if I start a business, then I can get X. And I suppose that one of the things we don't ask ourselves uh, when we start out um, is this. Um, Am I ready and prepared for and wanting the responsibility of owning a business? Because that's actually what it is. It's a massive responsibility. It's a fucking child. Uh, and that's why it's called your other marriage, you know, and these sorts of things or your mistress or whatever you want to call it. And so mm-hmm. you have, if you want to make it work, you have to really commit to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and make it a number one priority in your life. And that's something, if I'm honest with everyone, I haven't actually been doing um, in the last few weeks 
and, and I regret that. Um, but, you know, my question to you, Bruce, is must everything else take a back seat? Because it seems to me that you are trading off all the time. What are your thoughts? Okay. Well, when you messaged me and asked me the kind of troubles I see entrepreneurs having in relationships, I was like, well, they don't really have that many different troubles from anybody else because they're humans. But the thing I notice a lot, or the mistake I notice entrepreneurs making a lot is they put their business first instead of their relationships first. And they justify it in a hundred different ways. Like, well, you know, if I don't put the business first, the money won't come in and we won't be able to pay the bills. And then where will, will we be? And, uh, the truth of the matter is that the research shows, and there's been a lot of research in the last 10 years on the impact of having a securely connected, happy, loving relationship. Research shows that couples who are securely connected, that is to say, they feel safe with each other. They don't worry about their relationship a lot. They're happy. They, they can use each other as a secure base upon which to kind of launch themselves out into the world and a safe haven to return to when like business is bad and, you know, they have a bad day at work, they can use their partner as a way to regulate their emotions and feel better. Couples who can do that, the research shows, interesting enough, they make more money. Really? They're more successful at work. Yeah. I mean, that, that wasn't the core finding of the research. The core finding of the research was they, they live longer uh, I think I remember reading something like seven years longer than insecurely connected couples. They report lower levels of uh, illness and ill health and higher levels of satisfaction with life and much greater success in their careers. And that was what I found interesting was the much greater success in their careers. And as I started to think about this, I was like, oh, of course, it's obvious why you'd be more successful if you had a comfortable, I mean, not a comfortable, uh, a secure relationship is you've got somebody to fall back on. You've got emotional support when times are tough and you're not alone. Like, so for example, when I'm having a tough time in my business, which is often, the first thing I'll do is I'll call up my partner and say, babe, oh, I've had such a shitty day. Like, can I just like, you know, download what's happening. And she's like, sure, honey, let me listen to you. Like, tell me what, what happened in your day, sweetie. And I'll just tell her blah, blah, blah. And then this happened. And then this client did this. And then the website broke. And then like that thing happened. And then, you know, mm-hmm. I was just doing this joint venture and the mailing didn't go. And like, and she's like, oh, I got it, honey. That sucks, babe. That sucks. Well, come on, come on, come on home. I got some dinner for you. And there's a big hug waiting for you. And I walk through the door and she drops what she's doing and she comes right up to me and she gives me a big hug and a kiss and she gives me, she holds me tight and immediately I feel my body relaxing and the tension draining out of it and everything's right in the world again. And all it took was one hug or sometimes all it takes is, you know, two minutes on the phone and I'm better. And what this does physiologically for us humans, entrepreneurs or otherwise, is it reduces cortisol. And cortisol is the stress hormone that happens when that is released in our bloodstream when we're stressed. It's part of our fight, uh, flight, or freeze mechanism. Mm-hmm. And when our body releases cortisol, it uh, ends up shutting down and it shuts down a lot of cognitive functions. So when you're under fight or flight, you're... you're uh, reptilian brain takes over because evolution doesn't want you thinking about, oh, there's a lion coming to eat me. Hmm, I wonder whether or not the lion is friendly or not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
all those functions, like all the, the, the neocortex, which is the logical thinking part of your brain gets bypassed and you, the, the cortisol and the adrenaline kicks in and you literally cannot think you just act. And that's where so many couples get into trouble when, you know, if you've ever had a fight with your spouse and you said things you later regretted, probably knew you were about to say something that would, you know, you probably shouldn't say it, but you said it anyway. <laughs> that's the fight or flight mechanism kicking in and the cortisol and the adrenaline. Mm. What happens is when you've got this cortisol and adrenaline in your body because you're having you know, a stressful time at work, you make shitty decisions in your business, you come home and you're short and crabby and um, discontented and you snap at your partner and perhaps at your kids and uh, nothing works when you've got cortisol running through your bloodstream. And what I reckon why, why people live longer, and this is what they're, they're, the theories, uh, the, the scientists are, are, are theorizing, is that the absence of cortisol just allows your body to function normally and you live longer. So people with high amounts of cortisol in their bloodstream will basically live shorter lives, report less happiness, get sick more, and make less money because they're under this fight-or-flight response, this stress hormone that's constantly around. And the number one uh, antidote to cortisol is comfort from another human being. If if so, I'm jumping around a bit, Matt, but no, I'm no, hoping I'm everybody's finding this interesting. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> cortisol's basically bad because what you're implying yeah. therefore is that you know entrepreneurs because they're um, we're going to touch on all this stuff a little bit later, but it's 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 stressful, right? So we deal with an incredible amount of stress. There's lots of uncertainty. It's not for everyone, but if you're in the mm-hmm. game, you're in the game. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, so basically what you're saying is entrepreneurs will, uh, live shorter lives. <laughs> um, they will, um, have health problems more than, so say someone that's got a, um, a secure job at a bank, unless they have that regular dose of a support or comfort from another human being, whether that's your wife or family member and so on, right? That's or, kind of what you're saying. You know, but particularly a family member or or a wife, somebody that in the research they call an attachment figure. Now, an attachment figure is different from you know a best friend. You and I are not attachment figures for each other. I don't call you up, you know, when I'm having a bad day and ask you to make me feel better. But I do call up my partner and ask her to make me feel better or just to listen. And that makes me feel better. So an attachment figure is somebody that we count on to have our back uh, emotionally and sometimes often physically in life, but to have our back just like a child counts on a parent to have its back. And of course, if you, so here's the thing, we are designed to be regulated by an other much more efficiently than we're designed to regulate ourselves. And when by regulate, I mean regulate and control our emotions. So the research shows that if you are in an emotional state and like you're a mess, for you to calm yourself down is a hell of a lot harder than if an attachment figure comes along, gives you a hug and tells, tells you that they love you and everything's going to be fine. One hug from my partner and in 30 seconds, I can be right as rain again. But if I'm on my own, I might sit meditating and you know doing breathing exercises for an hour before I actually start to feel better. Yeah. So, other regulation is the name of the game, but our culture, specifically the entrepreneurial culture, doesn't support reaching out to 
another. You're supposed to be independent, strong, not need anybody if you're successful. Successful people, you know, are independent people. Mm. And being dependent is seen like a kind of a disease or a curse, like you're, you're, you're what? You're dependent? Yeah. Um, and, embarrassing. And, and by the way, that's especially true for men here. Hey? Yeah, especially true for men. Mm. Uh, and, and I mean, female entrepreneurs can be just as uh, uh, fiercely independent, especially in this day and age where they're competing with men. Mm. So it turns out that independence is just a pit stop on the way to success, that there's a developmental level beyond independence. Independence is one level above codependence or uh, unhealthy dependence is a better term for it. and. But it's not the end of the game when it comes to actualizing as a human being. The, the next level above that is what we're going to call interdependence, where you're able to be independent and autonomous, and you're able to be dependent in a healthy way. What does dependent in a healthy way mean? It means you're able to depend on another in a way that um, makes you more responsive, flexible, in life, in actually empowers you. You're better depending on another than you are uh, depending on yourself. And there's not going to be every area of life where that's true, but particularly when it comes to stress reduction um, and stress regulation, leaning onto another or into another is far more efficient and effective way to reduce stress than trying to do it on your own. Yet our culture promotes all these solo endeavors to reduce stress, like meditation, mindfulness, mm. um, yoga, and all those are great. I mean, you should be able to self-regulate, but there are certain things where when you have your, you know, your triggers, your hot buttons pushed, regulating yourself is nearly next to impossible. I, I know, like this happens to me whenever I get any of my hot buttons pushed, like I've become a hot mess and you know, I, I can be... Uh, meditating blue in the face and breathing and doing all my physical exercises it might make me feel better it might reduce the stress but when my partner comes in and tells me she loves me and everything's going to be fine and even if it's a disaster that she'll always love me and you know she's got my back no matter what that the world could end and she'd be by my side suddenly it doesn't matter what happens and I can just go into let's say my speaking engagement you know, standing on stage doing a TEDx presentation or giving a talk to a thousand people it doesn't matter how that goes because I know everything's going to be fine. Yeah. So I want to share another story about Richard Branson, which I think your entrepreneurial listeners will enjoy. Cool. Go for it. So I had the great pleasure of spending a weekend uh, with Richard Branson, just me and uh, a couple of kite surfers. He came to my island. I live in the, in the Dominican Republic in the Caribbean. And uh, he kite surfs there quite regularly. And a friend of mine is his agent. So he came over and this friend of mine said, dude, I know you've always wanted to meet Branson. Come meet him. And I got to sit next to him at dinner for a three-hour dinner. And then I got to go kite surfing with him twice and hang out on the beach. And it was great. Later on, though, that, that's just a little brag, by the way. That's just yeah. my, <laughs> me, yeah. me bragging. There, there is fun. A, I haven't met him, so it sounds great. It was a highlight of my entrepreneurial career, definitely was, which is why I was just kind of sharing the story. But one of my close friends, Gene, is the CEO of Virgin Unite, Richard Branson's charity. And she was telling me that, her, that Richard Branson and Peter Gabriel started a group called The Elders. And for those who don't know the elders, the elders is a group 
of the world's greatest leaders. Nelson Mandela was the chairman of the elders before he died. Archbishop Tutu's in the elders, Kofi Annan's in the elders. Um, wow. Bunch of like the world's, basically the world's greatest leaders. And Richard Branson and Peter Gabriel decided they were going to put together this group of leaders who would influence wayward you know, presidents, people like Robert Mugabe, who might be destroying a country. The idea was that they would be so influential in their achievements that they'd just be able to pick up the phone and say to like, you know, the president of some country that's bombing another country, dude, it's Nelson. Like, cut that shit out, man. And because, because they're so influ- influential, the president would go, yes, sir, right away, sir, kind of thing. Uh, yeah. They wouldn't interfere directly. So they, they, out of 220 candidates, they narrowed it down to about 12. And uh, then they called up Nelson Mandela and said, would you lead the group? And Nelson said, absolutely. They got them all on Necker Island, which is Branson's private island in the Caribbean. And they spent a week together, all of these 12 people, which is a big deal. And as part of this week, they studied the question was, what do we all have in common? Like we're all extraordinary leaders and, and business people and change makers in the world. We must have something in common. This would be a good time to study it. So Richard said to my friend, Jean, hey, I want you to study what all these people have in common and, and tell me, like find out. Mm-hmm. In the week, we can only find out one thing that the world's greatest leaders all had in common. What do you think this one thing was, Matt? Purpose. A relationship. No way. Really? A, a long-term, not just any relationship, a long-term committed partnership. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. That was what they were in common. So for Nelson Mandela, that would, I assume, that would imply Winnie Mandela, even no. though they weren't actually married. No, not at all. No, not at all. It was his uh, third partner. What was the name? Um, oh, I've, uh, I've got no idea, dude. I'm not good with names. Oh, I've gone totally blank. He was with her for the last years of his, of his life. Um, uh, let me get on to Google here. Yeah, you'll 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 find it. But they, that's what they all had in common was a long-term committed relationship. The only thing they could find, they all had completely different backgrounds, different educations, different everything else. Evelyn Mace. No, Grace and Michelle. That's the one, Grace and Michelle. They sat down, they discussed it, and they basically all said, "Yep, we can agree. Like our partnership is what gives us the courage." to go out into the world and take the risks that we take and do the extraordinary things that we do mm. and basically face failure every day because we've got somebody to come home to. So I love that story because 
it really, for me, legitimizes one of the fundamental premises of making a great marriage relationship work is that if you want a great marriage relationship to work, you have to put it first before your business, before your kids. In fact, the order I recommend my clients uh, uh, prioritize their life is relationship, kids, business. Um, and what tends to happen is when you put your relationship first, if you don't need to tend to it all the time. By putting it first, I don't mean like you're, you're necessarily spending the most time on your relationship, but I mean when something goes wrong in your relationship, you prioritize it above everything else and you fix it. When something goes wrong in your kids' lives, you prioritize it you know, one step beneath your relationship and you fix it. And then you fix your business. Uh, if something goes wrong with your business, I'm not saying like, uh, don't fix it. But if something, you know, if your marriage is in trouble and your business is in trouble at the same time, you're going you're gonna to have some trouble. You want to put the relationship first. What happens is when you don't put the relationship first, the relationship becomes insecure. The relationship, I'm not saying you or your partner, but the space between you where you relate is no longer safe. And in that unsafe space between the two of you, it's a lot like a war zone where the slightest noise will make you jump, um, where you're tiptoeing on eggshells, you know, afraid to step on a landmine because a fight's going to explode, where you're not sure if you love each other anymore. And the first thing to go is your sex life. It's the first uh, kind of casualty of an insecurely connected couple. And then what happens is that stress impacts every other area of your life. Your kids start feeding it, so they start acting up because they're no longer feeling safe and they want to know what's happening with mommy and daddy. Um, you go to work and you're stressed out, so your staff feel it. And you can't make great decisions and everything suffers when your relationship is not working. Whereas on the other hand, your business can be suffering and your relationship can still be fine. If your relationship is suffering, probably chances are, if you're a leader in your business, it's going to affect your ability to lead. So my opinion... Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's... Let me just land the plane. Like the, the, the last sentence I wanted to say in this okay, you know, good, monologue good. was that if your relationship's secure, you've got far, a far greater chance of being a better leader in your business. If your relationship's insecure, uh, your business is going to be negatively impacted. And if you put your business first, it'll make your relationship even more insecure. And that'll yeah. just kind of slow yeah, I suppose that's why they say um, behind every successful man, I know it's dated, sorry, <laughs> but behind every successful oh, man is a woman. Hold a that great thought. woman. A great woman. Yeah, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Sorry, I've got to go and put some vegetables in my stew, otherwise the wife's going to shit. Hence why I'm putting my relationship first. <laughs> Great. You, you should not cut this out of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, fuck, this monologue's taking forever. Uh, <laughs> TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Everything's on a routine when you've got kids. You touched on a number of things there that really resonated with me. One was the um, sort of organizing principle between all uber successful people not just in the uh, business or entrepreneurial space and that being the, the relationship. But what's for me in my experience anyway, it's actually a very difficult thing to get right. I mean, Nelson Mandela mm -hmm. was married more than once, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was married uh, twice. Um, and uh, he had, he had a, a first marriage then he married Woody Mandela and then he ended up, you know, uh, being with Grasha Michelle until his death. Yeah. And this is the challenge, right? Because when you decide to start a business, if you're single, that's one thing. Because the time commitment, 
um, isn't that big of a deal. But if you're married or maybe you've got a long-term partner, that changes the game quite significantly. And the reality is that, um, you know, entrepreneurship can really place a significant strain on whatever the bond is. And that bond doesn't always need to um, refer to a partner or a wife, um, but it can also refer to someone that's in your family, you know. Mm. Um, And I wanted to just explore something with you. And um, the last time we spoke, you mentioned that one of the biggest issues for wives who are married to um, entrepreneurial uh, husbands is that they're not present in the marriage. Um, and can you unpack that for us? Yeah. So what these women are talking about is that when their husbands are with them, they may be with them in, in body, but not necessarily in heart and mind. So they're thinking about the day. They think about the meeting that's going to happen tomorrow. They're thinking about how they're going to, you know, raise the venture capital and, and they're not actually there. And the reaction I often get when I speak with men about this is that I just don't have the time. Like I'm so stressed. I can't always be there for her. And she just keeps nagging. She always wants more of my time. And my response is the reason she's nagging is because you're never there for her. If you were actually there for her, even just for five minutes, she would stop nagging and leave you alone. But she doesn't even get five minutes of your time. She gets an hour of your time, but it's an hour of your time where you're only 20% there. If you gave her five minutes of 100%, she'd shut up and she'd be happy and she'd feel connected and she'd feel heard. So being present for me in the context of partner, romantic partnership is about being able to be opposite another human, be standing next to another human, with another human, on the phone with another human, and give them 100% of your attention. That is to say, you are not on your phone, you're not on Facebook, you're not watching TV, you're not reading the newspaper, you are there. And not only are you there, you're listening with interest and curiosity to what they have to say and engaged, you're responsive. Um, If they need you, you're accessible. You're You're there. And it's not a sacrifice because if it's a sacrifice, you probably are you know, shouldn't be in relationship if being with your partner is something like that's a sacrifice you have to make. Like you want to want to be with your partner, right? But of course, when relationships go through tough times, often we don't want to be with our partners because they're another source of stress. And the reason why the relationship is another source of stress is because we don't know the fundamentals of making a relationship work. And so a lot of the work that I do, Matthew, is just education, educating men how to be present. What does it mean to be present? Educating women to ask directly in a language their man can understand for what they need. Um, it doesn't require necessary therapy or, or couples therapy. Just like, you know, you don't need a master's degree in business to be a successful entrepreneur. You need to understand value and how value is created. You need to understand marketing. You need to understand a little bit of leadership. and you know, off you go. Um, yeah. And, you, you know, with, with the healthy dose of each of those, you've got a very high chance of being successful. Um, yeah. Um, it's interesting, this dynamic, because, you know, working for a salary isn't as exhilarating as running your own business for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. But it is stable and it's dependable. And mm-hmm. in a marriage, um, having that sense of 
um, you know, support and reliability um, is critical. Um, but in the entrepreneurship space, that's the uncertainty. And that's what you should be thriving on. Um, so running your own business um, won't necessarily uh, do that for you, especially in the early days. So um, uncertainties about money, for instance, add stress to your home, magnifying any disagreements between you and your spouse and that kind of thing. Um, and if you've, especially if you've staked all your assets on the business, and especially maybe in certain uh, contexts, you've borrowed from family as well. The fear of losing everything can uh, be almost overwhelming. And so how do you conquer that fear? You know that you, well, even if you lose everything, you're never going to lose your partner. That's, that's what a secure relationship fundamentally boils down to is I will never leave you. I will be by your side and I'll support you through thick and thin. And then if you lose everything, you've got your partner. I know if I lose everything, like my partner will be with me. She's not with me for my money or for my good looks or for my, you know, <laughs> yeah, that because I don't have like tons of money and I'm not the greatest looking guy in the world. So like, I know she's with me because she loves me partly because we've been through such hard times together like our relationship has tested us to the max we've had some brutal uh times and we've stuck together and that's what allows me to go out there and take the risks uh, that i that i take in my business take the chance i mean i'm not talking about taking irresponsible risks but dealing with the uncertainty and um i just know that I can come home at the end of every day and i've got an amazing human being who loves me and uh, no matter what and I think uh, that for me, I, I wouldn't trade for the world. And it doesn't take a lot of time once you know what you're doing to maintain a relationship like that. Like I don't spend hours and hours a day in my relationship. Right now I'm traveling. I'm in the UK and my partner's back home on the island. And, uh, you know, we spend... 20 minutes a day on the phone, but we're fully present. I'm not like, you know, surfing Facebook while I'm on the phone with her or, or doing anything else. I ask her how her day is. I listen. I'm engaged in speaking with her. She does the same with me. I'm actually interested. We play together. We have fun together. Every now and then we play two-player computer games over the internet against each other or with each other. It's, it's, it's a blast. And we, we spend a little bit of time, and that time is... Is lays the foundation for all that security to to last, and and that's what I'm teach couples how to do because most couples who are struggling are not doing any of that. They have no idea how to connect, and they try to communicate, and they get it all wrong. And they come to me saying things like, "Bruce, we have communication problems. Every time we talk, we fight. Tiny little conversations about nothing kind of explode into these massive volcanoes of an argument." Um, we need to learn communication skills. And the first thing I have to uh, uh, teach them is that communication is actually not the problem. I ask them, kind of tongue-in-cheek, I kind of say, do you know how to speak English? Like, uh, yes. I'm like, does she know how to speak English? And they're like, uh, yes. Uh, did you have any problems communicating when you fell in love? Uh, no. So why do you need communication skills? You know how to speak, don't you? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so what? The, the truth of the matter is they need to learn how to connect and that when you are not emotionally connected, that's to say when your relationship doesn't feel safe, the space between you doesn't feel safe, uh, you act like 
you would if you were in a war zone. You would be constantly on the lookout for being attacked. You would preempt an attack when there wasn't even one there. You would err on the side of caution, and you end up fighting of the simplest little things because you don't feel safe. The minute a couple can start feeling safe with each other and they feel safely connected, the difficult conversations that they've been avoiding or tiptoeing around for months, years, happen in a matter of minutes. They just talk through it and they're like, oh, okay, because now they're talking to their best buddy, not to the enemy or the the person who they perceive is threatening them. Mm. And so that's where the focus of my work lies, at least in the beginning. Um, Obviously, communication is important. You have to talk to each other. But if you don't connect first, then no amount of communication skills will ever make a difference. Like you've probably heard that communication skill, Matt. Um, I feel, you know, fill in the blank. And the idea is that it's the most, it's the most common communication skill. The idea is that it teaches you not to blame because you're using the words I, using I language. Mm. I feel sad. I feel, you know, hurt. But of course, when you're disconnected, it turns into, I feel like you're a freaking asshole. And it just becomes another weapon to further hurt your partner with. So communication skills are a waste of time unless you're connected first. So the catchphrase, that the first thing I teach all my, my clients is connect first, communicate later. And if you remember that, if you just take that away from today's call, connect first, communicate later, it'll make a massive impact on your ability to resolve conflict with your partner and have them feel safe. Mm. How do you connect? I mean, is it just a, a case of having a time and space to um, disconnect, weirdly enough, <laughs> from the um, sort of status quo that you have as an entrepreneur running your business? I don't think so, no. I think it's more putting habits in place that promote connection. Just like we have a habit where we'll wake up every morning and brush our teeth and go to bed at night and brush our teeth and hence our teeth stay in our mouth and don't fall out as a result. So if we do the equivalent in our relationship, we kind of brush our relationship's teeth, so to speak, for five minutes a day, the relationship just naturally stays safe. So you ask the question, how do you connect? Uh, I've got about 25 different ways that I teach my couples how to connect, but I'll give you an example of just like one of them. So one of the things I get my couples to do is keep an appreciation journal on top of the toilet. And basically what this is, is a book, a, a, a nice kind of leather book with blank pages inside and a pen inside it. And every time, or at least once a day, when you go to the bathroom, you pick this book up and you write down one thing you appreciate about your partner. And they're going to come to the bathroom, and the first thing they're going to do before they even pee, even if they're bursting, is they're going to grab the book because they want to read what you wrote. And when they do, they're going to smile and they're going to be flooded with good emotions, um, warm feelings, chemicals in their brain like oxytocin and serotonin are going to be released. And they're going to smile, they're going to think lovingly of you. And then they're going to write one thing they appreciate about you in the book, and they're going to put it back down on the toilet seat once they're done. And you're going to come back in and you can see where this is going. This kind of book will fill up almost like a diary of appreciation. And in order to read the latest thing that your partner wrote for you, you know, like after a couple of months, you have to page pages and pages and pages of your partner writing down all these amazing things about how they feel about you and you doing the same for them. And so it builds a kind of emotional resilience where 
uh, A, not only do you get to feel appreciated, which is one of the biggest things uh, couples come to me complaining, oh, I don't feel like my partner appreciates me. But B, you also build up this kind of, uh, you could think of it like your emotional bank account or your emotional battery stays charged or stays full. Um, and so what that does, it makes you more resilient to little disconnections. So you might disconnect, you know, or you might have a little tiff during the day, but because you've built up this emotional bank account or this emotional battery is full, the little tiff doesn't affect you like it does when the battery is empty uh, or the bank account's empty. Um, and so that's just one simple way. And so what I get my couples to do is I get them to practice four connection techniques. And these take a grand total of less than five minutes every day. And usually within a matter of two weeks, they tell me they've turned their relationship around. And they haven't had any conversations yet. Just from connecting, they're suddenly feeling close. And so the, the, the really the part I want to underline for entrepreneurs, because the biggest excuse I hear from entrepreneurs is I don't have the time, is that this doesn't take time. It doesn't take a lot of time. And B, you need to make the time. Just like you make the time for brushing your teeth, make the time for your relationship. Yeah. I think what's clever about that as well is that if you are going to um, the number ones or number twos, I can't believe we're actually talking about that specifically on the show, but but what is clever about that is that it's you time and no one's going to phone you. You very rarely take your phone, which is the most interruptive fucking piece of tech uh, that's yeah. invented or pervasive uh-huh. marketing medium if you want to put a marketing lens on it. But I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's your time. And if you're going to spend your time in, uh, in, in that kind of way, it makes perfect sense that it would be something that you would adopt as a habit because um, it's actually very difficult to adopt relationship fixing routines uh, if they aren't positioned in such a way that uh, it's one easy to adopt and two, it's reciprocal in terms of the value that it creates. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I think more than anything is people don't know what the hell to do. They don't realize that it's a connection problem mm. and they think it's a communication problem. They go to talk therapy and relationship therapy is the highest, highest failure rate of any therapy in existence known to man because most relationship therapy comes from the old model where therapists didn't need to be trained to work with couples. So they start to use the same kind of therapy they use on individuals, but they use it with couples. And of course, it doesn't work. And the first thing they recommend is communication skills. And of course, communication skills don't work either until you're connected. So that just makes things worse. And then they think that, you know, they're just not compatible and maybe they should get divorced. And when there's kids involved, that's brutal. And, you know, when there's a business involved, a divorce can also be incredibly expensive. And when I work with couples, I can usually get them 75% of the way there in a matter of weeks. It doesn't, this is not months or years we're talking about, just a matter of weeks change their behavior. And if I can get them 10 days connected for 10 days in a row without fighting, they're 90% of the way home. They'll create so much connection and so much serotonin will be released in oxytocin, which is the bonding chemical in the brain. Serotonin is kind of like the happy thing, the, the, the chemical that makes you happy. Oxytocin is the bonding chemical, the one that is kind of associated with romance and, and, and wanting to be close to your partner. If I can get enough of that released in 10 days, it, it, it's hard to fight when you're high on oxytocin. It's like when you fell in love in the romance stage of your relationship for those first couple of years, you didn't fight because the oxytocin just 
buffered you against any kind of uh, uh, stress. And, and the minute, you know, you did have some kind of disconnection, you kind of spoke about it and you were far more willing to kind of overlook it and forgive your partner because of the oxytocin buffer. And so from a purely just chemical perspective, my job boils down to helping couples release oxytocin. <laughs> yeah, funnily enough. I want to share something with you, if you don't mind. Um, sure. One of the reasons I, I actually started um, Digital Kung Fu was to connect with other entrepreneurs. Um, mm. Because in reality, the process of um, starting a business is a very lonely road. And in my experience, nobody really understands what you're going through. They don't understand the highs and the lows of what you're experiencing. And so because of that, you almost feel ignored uh, to some extent. Um, So how do we overcome this path of uh, isolation and loneliness? Sharing. Uh, I mean, sharing you, with you, with your relationship, sharing with your with with your partner. You don't you're not necessarily sharing what's going on. You're sharing how you feel. Um, your partner may not be interested in what's going on in the ins and outs of this business deal you're doing, but your partner is interested in your heart and how you feel. And if you go to your partner and you share from your heart what's going on, and ha- and allow them to soothe you, you're you're not going to feel alone. Your partner may have no idea about business, may not understand what you do at all. They don't need to, but they do understand your heart. And that's what's important. And the mistake most people make is just sharing about what happened and the day-to-day things rather than sharing about how that made them feel. And couples can share what I call softer emotions, emotions like hurt, sadness, loneliness, um, pain, guilt, shame, those kind of uh, more risky emotions to share. The research shows that it brings them together. When couples share these kind of uh, more reactive emotions like anger, jealousy, frustration with each other, it tears them apart. So that's one way. Now, I also know we were talking about mastermind groups earlier and you wanted to kind of go down that road. I don't know if this is too early for that or if that's where you were leading me. Um, And this is not relationship related, but well, maybe it is a little bit not romantic relationship related, but another way is to surround yourself with peers and a mastermind group, which is basically a group of people who are entrepreneurs uh, who come together maybe once a week to support each other in, in their businesses is a great way. I've been in, in at least four mastermind groups and uh, they've been incredibly supportive uh, in A, helping me succeed a whole lot faster and fail forward and B, just not feeling alone. Yeah. Maybe you can help me with something. Um, my wife, she always calls me a dreamer, <laughs> weirdly enough. Um, and in fact, when I get going on an idea uh, for a business or where I think I can take something, um, she tends to go into um, what I would call a bit of withdrawal. Um, and she tries to kind of bring me back down to earth. Um, mm-hmm. It's not that she doesn't believe in me or anything. Uh, she's actually an amazing sport, um, just for the record. But, um, I think how, how I would describe it is that she doesn't share my excitement or she doesn't get what you get out of being an entrepreneur. Which kills your enthusiasm, right? Yeah, it's insane. Um, and, and to, and to a point, it's like, well, I actually don't want to share anymore. 
You know what I mean? Okay. Um, I got the solution for you. Yeah. But so let me, let me ask you this. But, but the thing with entrepreneurs, right, is that if we don't dream, we're fucked. We have to dream. We have to believe. We have to. That's part of who we are. It's in our DNA. Um, and so what you, what you wind up with is this kind of, um, uh, you know, quote, your business is a pipe dream thing, unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure it's not just with partners. Um, it's with family and this kind of thing. What are your thoughts on, on that? You need to train your partner how to bring their feedback. Firstly, the feedback is a valuable resource. Your wife's uh, critical thinking is incredibly valuable and you need to let her know how much you value it. You let her know how important it is that it has a time and a place and the time and the place is not at the beginning of the idea. Like when you're giving birth to the idea, criticism is going to be the killer and that's what you you need to share with her mm. and say to her something like, honey, you know, I so value your way of looking at it because you always look at what could go wrong. And that prevents me from making stupid mistakes. And that is like, that is the, every dreamer needs somebody to bring them back down to earth, but to bring them back down to earth when it's, it's time to look at all the ideas. So when you're giving birth to the idea, what I would say to her, if she starts offering that kind of feedback is, hey, honey, I really want to hear your feedback when it's time. Right now, what I need is encouragement. I don't need critical feedback because I'm in the birthing stage and I need, I'm excited about this. And if I, if I keep rolling with this excitement, the idea is going to grow and develop into something that could be way bigger than it is right now. What I would really appreciate is your feedback and your opinion when I'm ready. Could I, could I ask you to just hold that thought and I'll come to you maybe in a month or two, when, if, if that's or a week or two or an hour or two, whatever it is. Um, and I'll come and ask for your opinion. I promise I'll come and ask for your opinion. This is going to do several things. Um, one, you're asking her for encouragement. You're saying, don't, I don't need criticism now, but I value your criticism. So you're not saying, you know, shut up, bitch. Don't tell me what you think. You're saying, I really value your input and I want it, but I, I, I just don't want it right now. What I want from you right now is support and encouragement. Even if you think my idea is stupid, just support me. It doesn't mean you have to agree with the idea or tell me lies, but support me, like support me in brainstorming this idea because 99 out of a hundred ideas are going to go nowhere anyway. We all know that, but one out of a hundred is going to go, uh, you know, the distance. And if we don't allow that one out of a hundred to grow, we'll never know which one is the one out of a hundred. Yeah. Then I promise you, honey, I will come to you and I will ask you for your opinion. And when you ask your partner for your opinion, you're sending a very powerful message to them. You're sending a message that says loud and clear, I respect you. Because you don't ask people for their opinion that you don't respect. Like, you've asked me your opinion. I feel that you respect me, Matthew. And that feels good to me. And it makes me feel important. And we all like to feel important. And it makes me like you more. And it makes me more open to you because I'm like, oh, Matthew respects my opinion. That's cool. Like, and I'm far more likely to do favors for you, like, you know, spend an hour on the podcast um, and, you know, hang out on the phone and answer questions and, you know, and help you out because I feel that you respect me. And one of the biggest challenges in relationships is have, helping your partner feel that 
you respect them. And when you ask your partner their opinion or their thoughts on something, it immediately says, I respect you. So if you're having trouble in your relationship, start allowing your partner to influence you. Start asking them for their opinion and taking their advice. Yeah. So then what you've got to do, Matt, is like when the time's right and you're kind of like, you feel like the creative energies, uh, uh, you know, given birth and born some fruit, you go and say, okay, honey, I'm thinking of going down this path. I want you to look critically at everything that could go wrong. If that's the style of your partner, it's the style of my partner. It sounds like it's the style of your wife. Um, <laughs> tell me what's going on. And then she'll be like, she'll have been thinking about it for like the months that she's been waiting for you to ask. And she'll spread it all out. And instead of taking it personally, now you take notes. Like she's going to be critical. She's going to point out everything is flawed, but you know, this is what you want to do. Assess whether or not this dream or this idea is something that's got legs and could actually last stand up in reality. Now my partner, like your wife, often she wants to feel important. So she'll often jump in with her critical feedback too early in the game. And I just say to her, Hey honey, you know, I respect your feedback, but I can't hear it now. And I feel my energy dropping because I, I feel criticized and I want to hear it, but just, can you hang on to it? And I'll let you know. Um, or I'll say to her, can you ask me permission next time before you dive in? Like just say, to you, so what she says to me now, she says, I need to get some feedback, but I don't want to kill your, like your mojo. Are you, are you open to, can you hear it right now? And I might say to her, and I usually will say to her, no, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Um, I'll let you know. And usually like knowing that she has some feedback for me, like within 24 hours, I'm like, okay, I'm feeling a bit more resourced right now. I can, you know, not take this personally. Go for it. What's the feedback? And, and I usually say, and be gentle with me. Okay. <laughs> and she's gentle and you know, she gives you the feedback. So that's what I'd recommend. That word you touched on respect is, um, is an important one for me because, um, as entrepreneurs, we value the uh, lessons from the experience of others. And those people are people we respect and those people are entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, and when I was a youngster, funny story I'm sharing, my sister always used to, I said to her, I said to her once, I was like, look, what, what should I expect out of a relationship? Or if I meet a woman, what do I ask for? And she said to me, Matt, there's three things you ask for. But she didn't even flinch. She was like, there's three things. There's love, trust, and respect. And she says, without any of those three things, you don't have a relationship. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, um, such a, it's funny how we get so caught up in the day-to-day um, stuff, you know, it's very complex. It's political in many instances, but we don't really take the time out to just focus on the things that actually drive engagements and whether that engagements with potential clients or whether they're actually with your, your wife. Um, Mm. and I want to share another story with you. I had, um, an entrepreneur who I respect to use that word, uh, very deliberately, um, massively. Um, his name is um, Elon Reyes. He's the um, founder of Reyes Corp. I won't get into the too much details. You guys must just search through um, the previous shows and have a listen to it. But um, how do you spell it, man? Elon Reyes, A W L O N, and then R A I Z. He's got a dollar-based billionaire mentor, um, but that's not. I don't actually care about that stuff. Um, what I do care about is one of the stories he told me 
And, and this is all about being single-minded uh, as an entrepreneur because it's, um, it's a double-edged sword because on one end, you have to be single-minded. But on the other side, if you're too single-minded, it can actually cost you a lot more than you bargain for. And so the story um, that he shared with me was his, uh, his first son was born and he had just started out. Um, and he didn't have the money to pay for the hospital bills. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, like I know what it felt like to, you know, become a dad and whatever. Um, and to be in that specific situation where you're kind of, you have this paradox between, um, you know, your ambitions and then on the other hand, what it's costing you and the realities of what it's actually costing you. Um, and like, if I'm brutally honest, I don't think I would have had it in me to keep going because it would have been too personal and too, um, uh, high value or too, you know what I mean? Like it's your son. I mean, it's like, it just doesn't happen every day. Um, and so I would have been forced to be in a situation where I'd have to reevaluate things, but he, looked at it and said, well, fuck it. I'm going to go and borrow 20 grand from one friend, two grand from another. That's gone. And I'm going to keep, uh, on the, uh, keep continuing on this path. And today he runs one of the, um, world's only privately funded incubators. Um, and it's a model which is being, uh, used across the world. Um, he's been asked to speak at the white house in America and all sorts of things. Um, so this notion of, uh, single mindedness, um, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. But when you think about it in the context of marriage, where do you draw the line? When, when do you know that your business is probably costing you your marriage or your relationships with people that you have in, that you love and that you've had in your life for many, many years? When it starts costing you your relationship and your, your relationships with your friends, I think we, when, when there's conflict, that's usually the first thing. And the immediately following conflict is the absence of sex. So the first area of your life probably to suffer, not for all couples, but very commonly, is that uh, your partner doesn't want to have sex with you anymore and your sex life dies. That's how you know you're in trouble. Um, and you're fighting or you're not fighting at all. Like you're just not feeling connected. And the time you spend together is more like roommates than lovers. And when that's just so common and it can happen. Sorry, whether, I'm going to interrupt you, dude. Uh, sure. I want someone to say hello. Hello. Oh. Hello. <laughs> Who's that? That's my wife, Nina, my better part. Hi, Nina. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, she awesome. was around. I thought I'd uh, grandstand. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I love it. You and I both. <laughs> Sorry, you carry on. No, that's, I mean, really what I was, was wanting to, to share is that whether it, it can happen because of a business or not, but the symptoms are you're fighting, you're walking on eggshells, little conversations explode into big arguments your sex life suffers you feel disconnected you start to feel like strangers instead of like lovers and um, these are all signs that your relationship is in trouble and it may not be you know at the end of the line and in critical danger at that point but if you don't do anything about it 
it will get to that point where it gets to critical danger. And we know this because 50% of marriages end in divorce. That means you've got a 50-50 chance of making it unless you do something. Yeah. So, you know, again, I just underline what I said earlier. is like you've got to put your relationship first. It doesn't mean you give it the most amount of time, but it's number one priority in that just like you put your health first, you may not focus on your health all the time. You're not spending hours a day on your health. Maybe, you know, you just make sure you make some healthy eating choices and you go to the, to the gym, you know, every second day. That's perhaps all it takes. But the minute, you know, you discover that you've got a cholesterol score of 400 and you're like high heart attack risk, suddenly you stop everything else and you focus on, on your health. Well, that's exactly what's required with your relationship is that the minute anything isn't great, you, you make it great. And you mm. keep that connection between the two of you feeling safe, feeling secure, feeling fun, feeling playful, feeling connected, feeling sexy, feeling erotic. And there are ways to do this. You may ask how this could take a long time. It really doesn't have to do. It's just like learning skills. Just like at one point, you didn't know how to do your accounting in your business. You didn't know how to track your finances. It, it all just felt like this mountain of like learning you had to do to figure it out. And then somebody probably sat down and showed you like, hey, you, you really just need to know and track these three things. And you know, once you do that, you're, you're pretty much good. And you got your system in place. And maybe you got a little app on your phone or your computer and you started tracking things. And like, you're like, oh, <laughs> that wasn't so hard. That's actually you know, pretty easy. I feel so empowered because now I know how to do this. Same thing with your relationship. Like there's some small minor tweaks you can make and you're, you're 80% of the way home. Yeah. I want to um, talk about this notion of time because uh, mm. you've mentioned it twice now. And it was something that I was thinking about prior to the uh, interview because, um, you know, we're talking about single-mindedness and how we have to, you know, do many, many things, wear many hats as um, founders, I guess. Um, and this notion of time and how we don't have enough of it. And I'd like to offer a piece of advice. Um, in my experience, like entrepreneurs don't ask why. Or another way to put it is we're not asking the right questions. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if, if your client says to you, Hey Bruce, you know, I've been married 10 years and for the last five years I've been running this business and it's put me in this position, blah, blah, blah. And you jump onto um, one of your, you know, VIP calls. I don't know how you structure your packages or whatever, but the wife says, look, um, all I want to do is connect. That's that word that you mentioned again also. Mm. And he says, well, actually, I just don't have the time. Mm. So for me, it's, it's not the right question. Um, you know, you have to ask why. Why don't you have enough time? Is it because you haven't implemented sufficient systems in your business to afford you that time? In other words, he's putting the problem at um, the um, sort of not his wife necessarily, but he's, he's misallocating what the problem is. And as a mark, it was an advertising executive for many years. Um, and as a strategist in that space, one of the questions um, or one of the processes, I should say, that we go through is that you keep asking why. So if you think something, doesn't matter what it is, ask why. And what if you get to that answer, ask why again. 
until a point until you get to a point where you're actually sitting on some form of truth that shifts your perceptions about why you have a particular problem. Totally. I think systems that you mentioned systems. And I think one of the biggest well, firstly, you can't blame time. Richard Branson has a wonderful relationship with his wife and his kids. He has plenty of time to spend with them. And he owns 300 businesses. You probably own one if you're listening to this podcast. Okay. It's clearly not about time. Richard Branson has the same amount of time as all of us do. It's about how, what you do with your time. And if you constantly don't have enough time, it's not time's fault. It's that you're inefficient with your time and probably struggling or have not created any systems to automate uh, what you're doing. So you're doing everything by yourself. You're making probably the same mistakes over and over again and kind of spinning your wheels, wasting time. And I did this for years in my business until one of my mentors, Bruno Erhard, uh, uh, showed me how to build procedures and systems and completely systemize my business. And now I have so much time. Sometimes I get bored. I'm like, okay, I need to find something, something to do. Like time, will, I always wanted like all the time in the world. And now that I've kind of got all the time in the world, I'm uh, okay. What, what am I going to do with it? So yeah. uh, I think systems are critical. Yeah, no, they absolutely are. Um, so one more question, Bruce, and then I'll, uh, I'll let you go. I want to talk about um, this notion um, of pressure and stress. It's not a notion, it's fucking reality. But um, it's a very difficult thing to manage. So um, we can often lose our tempers. We can become irritable with family members. And of course, that never works out well. Um, and so in your experience, how do, you, how do we manage the pressure of entrepreneurship and your um, personal relationships at the same time? Back to what you said earlier, being fully present with whatever we're doing. And this is where mindfulness training really does help. Mindfulness is like, I guess, our, our 2016's word for meditation. <laughs> meditation isn't huh. as cool as mindfulness. So people are calling it mindfulness now. But mindfulness, if you practice meditation for half an hour a day, what one of the gifts it gives is helping you single-mindedly focus. Uh, what's that drug that helps you focus? Um, Viagra? Oh. Oh. <laughs> yes, just like Viagra. It's the mental version of Viagra. It keeps your mind focused. I forget what it is. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so, if you can, see, I clearly am not mindful focus. right now. I cannot focus on what I'm saying. Focus. And on that bombshell. <laughs> yes, on that bombshell, we can clearly wrap this up. Um, but essentially, it boils down to that, Matt. If you can focus on one thing at a time and do what you're doing when you're doing it, like when you're at work, you're at work. When you're at home with your kids, you're playing with your kids. When you're spending time with your wife, you're spending time with your wife. When you're chilling out, you're actually chilling out, enjoying the music you're listening to while lying in the bath, not dreaming about tomorrow. It's about staying in present time rather than drifting off in the future or into the past. And that takes practice. And the only thing I know that, that can get you there fast is meditation. And you know, if you haven't got half an hour a day, just start with 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes of meditation a day can make the world of difference. I do my meditation when I do yoga. I do 10 minutes of yoga a day. Um, 
and uh, I'm in my body, completely present and mindful to my body and what's going on. And it helps me stay laser focused later on the day. And when I'm losing my focus, I stop and I'll do another 10 minutes meditation or, or another 10 minutes yoga somewhere in the middle of my day or whenever I feel like I'm losing energy or focus and it brings me right back. So yeah. that, that's, that's the simple answer. Sorry, it wasn't anything like super profound or no, about well, relationship. No, no. I mean, it's, um, it's often the small things that all add up. It's called marginal gains, right? So you yep. add the 1% all together and suddenly you've got something of real value. Um, but Bruce, uh, I'm sorry. I have to put my relationship first. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm learning fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, <but laughs> But I'm um, serious though. There's so much I'd love to talk to you about, like how to deal with disagreements. Uh, you know, what are some of the you know morning habits and routines that we can implement? I'd like to explore more about other alternatives to the um, uh, you know the gratuity book or the notebook or the love book. The appreciation journal. Well, appreciation let me offer journal. this, Matt, for anybody who wants to. Um, I'm just going to uh, cut you off again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Love at first fight with an F.com. Love at first fight.com. Go there. There's a bunch of free information on everything that you just mentioned. Um, how to deal with conflict, how to stay connected. Um, if you're having struggle, struggles in your relationship, sign up for my free uh, relationship repair videos at love at first fight.com. And uh, you can uh, learn for free. There's a ton of free tools there, and I'll walk you through some of them um, like that. Yeah, cool. Well, every bit of information helps. So, but Bruce, thanks, man. It's been. Um, I actually, it's funny enough. There's there's something about talking about the inner game, uh, and about everything else that you have to deal with as an entrepreneur that really excites me and really gets me uh, kind of wanting to know more. So, yeah, um, me too. Yeah, I think you should come back more regularly. To be honest. Well, like I said, you just uh, keep asking me questions. You display respect, and all I want to do is come and support you. So, no, really, I'm I'm always happy to help, Matt. Like, I lo I love talking about this topic, and I love entrepreneurship, and it's a it's a great, it's a great overlap. And uh, I'd be happy to share more. So, whenever you want me back, just say the word. Yeah, we'll do, mate. Listen, I'll let you go. Enjoy the uh, cold weather of London. I will, brother, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right, pal. Take it easy. This is just a quick message to all of you who have not yet gone to digitalkungfu.co.za to register and sign up to join the Digital Kung Fu community. If you do that right now, I will send you some free training. It's uh, some stuff I've developed specifically for entrepreneurs and business owners. Uh, I like to kill my subscribers with kindness, so to speak. Um, but yeah, the main reason is it gives me a way to communicate with you and to get to know you personally a bit better. So if you haven't done so, please do that now. And so until next time, keep hustling with Digital Kung Fu. Remember that the Digital Kung Fu Show is now on iTunes, so head on over there now and leave us a review. You can also catch the Digital Kung Fu Show on Player.fm, Stitcher, and CliffCentral.com. Thanks for listening to the Digital Kung Fu Show. If you'd like to check out more episodes and get access to our growing community of entrepreneurs working together to succeed in business, then please visit our website at www.digitalkungfu.co.za. 
Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.